Well, good morning. Welcome. Welcome to the Christian Church of Essex Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. And this is our second week in our Advent series. We get to talk about peace and, of course, peace for the anxious dove. And you saw part of that skit was actually our memory verse for the series, which came to us from the prophet Isaiah, which talked about why we can have peace in this season, why we celebrate that. And the prophet uh, Isaiah, about 700 years before Jesus came, said this is exactly what God would, would be like. He said, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I think we're uh, people that could desperately use peace in our day and age, so that's what we're going to be talking about this week. That's why we have our uh, candle this week is the purple, which is, means it's the color of preparation. It's the time to be introspective and to look into our hearts and to examine and to find if there's anxiety and stress and strife within there and to prepare our hearts to truly celebrate uh, the birth of Christ this week. And so one of the best ways to begin to do that, of course, is by putting God's Word into our heart, into our lives. It helps us to filter our thoughts and our world, but also begins to actually uh, imprint on our very spirits and, uh, and uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. So before we begin the message, if you guys would like to join me, and we'll just say this a few times and let God's Word begin to percolate into your minds and to your thoughts. So here we go. We'll say it together. Three, two, one. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. Yeah, isn't that a wonderful passage? And so I encourage you this Christmas season uh, to, to take some time and to begin to memorize that. But you can also use that in your prayers as you talk to God, because this is who He is, right? If you need wisdom, He's a wonderful counselor. If you need help, He's a mighty God. If you need encouragement and love or provision, He is a one, the everlasting Father. And if you have anxiety, he is your Prince of Peace. That's why on the connection card, we do have that Bible memory verse. It's right there, and it's perforated, so you encourage you to take that, pull it off, and put it in your pocket, your wallet, put it in your purse, or wherever you're going to see it, tape it to the back of your phone, and use it as an opportunity to remind yourself of the great news and the great joy that Christ has come with us. And today, we're going to talk about peace, peace for the anxious dove. And uh, maybe you could identify with Dovey, the anxious dove, a little bit. Uh, maybe you feel a person that really struggles with anxiety. And if that's you, I want you to know you're not alone. At least there's that, right? Uh, we're told that right now that uh, anxiety disorders are on the increase. In fact, they're at all-time highs. So if you have anxiety, well, then you're in good company, right? But why is it that we have such anxiety? Well, it's because the world is chaotic, isn't it? If, if we're in this world all on our own, if it's based upon us, if it's all on our shoulders, that's a lot of stress, See, a world without God is a world without peace. It's a world of great anxiety. And that's why when we celebrate the advent, the arrival of God who was born with us, one of the great things that he brings to us is in a powerful peace. And maybe like you, you struggle with that. And I want you to say, why is it that peace helps us? Uh, if you are a person that really struggles with this, like you have the thoughts that keep you up at night, that the world just seems like you're nervous, you have that nervous energy that's just on the inside that just kind of that uh, bothers you constantly. We're going to talk today about why is it that peace helps and uh, what is this peace that God brings. And the first thing is, is why, why is peace a helpful thing? Well, the reason that peace is helpful for us humans in this broken planet is that peace quiets anxiety. That's what it does. It's the antidote, right? If you see somebody who is anxious, Probably the worst thing you can do is try to argue them out of it. Have you ever tried that? They're like, don't be worried. Here's a 10 reasons why you shouldn't be worried. They're like, oh, now I'm a failure at that too, right? <laughs> or, hey, things are going so great. And they're like, they're only going great because I know they're going to fail, right? Anxious thinking causes us to live in, in, the, in a pessimistic mind frame, right? That's why we started last week with hope. We remember that our hope wasn't in ourselves, and it's not in other people. Our hope is in God, that God has us, and He has the future, and He has today, and that's why we don't have to be pessimistic. But as we understand who God is and that God is with us, the peace that He brings actually cures the anxiety that plagues us. 
And, and you would say, well, okay, what is this peace? And if you look up peace, peace is oftentimes uh, defined as it's freedom from disturbance, it's quiet and tranquility. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't much describe my life. Does that describe our culture? Does it describe your life? Freedom from disturbance? Quiet? Tranquility? No. No. For most of us, that is not what describes life at all, which is why when most people die, they have rest in peace, finally. On their, like, that's where you find it, right? But in this world, you will have trouble. We're like, amen, Jesus, right? It's not quiet. It's not tranquil. The world is weird. It's broken. We, we, we hijacked it from God, and it's crazy. And so we understand that when God brought, came and brought peace to us, He didn't just bring us quiet and tranquility. He's, he's going to come again, and there's a, de- a deeper peace that He's bringing. But even today, in the midst of the turmoil, in the middle of the storm, God can give us an inner quiet, an inner peace. He solves the deeper things so that way we can handle the storms that rage around us. And that's why we begin with Advent really starts with this hope, but that it leads to it's a season of great peace. Even though most of us, if we think about our holiday seasons, most people, Christmas season is not marked by tranquility, right? Your schedules get busy, your families all come together, there's a lot more stuff happening all about, right? But God gives us a peace that's not subject to our experience or to our calendar or what's happening in our life. Advent is truly a season of peace, which is why I think that for us uh, peace-starved people, that we oftentimes are just drawn to anything that just gives us a hint of what that peace might be, right? We have so much busyness in hearing this. I think that's why at Christmas time, with everything else that's happening, the, the, the most loved Christmas song every time is pulled, comes out this way. You know what it is in, in English language? It's Silent Night. In fact, that, that particular Christmas carol is loved not just in English, but in many, many languages. It's one of the most beloved Christmas carols of all time. Why? Does it describe historically what happened that night? Loosely. I mean, Jesus was born that night. Basically, everything else in there, it probably wasn't a quiet night. It was definitely a holy night, different than any other. But all was probably not calm. Right? Think of how crazy that was. I've only had the, the, the pleasure of being in one birth, and I wouldn't really call that a pleasure, but I was there because I got to see my son born. It was chaotic. It wasn't quiet, let's say that, right? We find that you have this couple that was, that was being brought into this, this very difficult situation. And, and it was not a time that I would imagine that Joseph or Mary would say, oh, I've got freedom from anxiety and from disturbance. But the peace that we were drawn to, the one thing that we, that song points to is that there's a deeper and a greater and a more abiding peace than just circumstances can bring. That the Prince of Peace entered the world that night and began the process of declaring peace to us. And so, you know, if we think about the, <laughs> the manger scene, was the timing in, in, in that uh, when Mary and Joseph, when they, showed, when they showed up there, was it a good time? No. It was a time when the Romans ruled basically everything. And Romans were not particularly kind to Jewish people or anybody they occupied. In fact, uh, many years before uh, <laughs> that uh, we had uh, Jesus being born, many years before that time, uh, we had a prophet named Daniel. And God gave Daniel a vision of the future, and he told us exactly what it would be like when the Messiah was born. And he, he describes the Roman Empire. And you know how he describes the Roman Empire? A powerful beast with iron teeth. That's not pleasant. And it wasn't pleasant for the Jewish, for Mary and Joseph, and for all the people there living in the subjugation, having their rights trampled upon, their lives counted basically as nothing according to the government they served under. There'd been 400 years of silence from God as they hadn't had a prophet, had spoken them throughout that period of time. And make matters worse, I mean, just not just where they under the Roman Empire, but you have, uh, you have the government who decides they want to tax the people, which is not really friendly, right? That's not a lot of fun. And how are they going to tax them? Oh, we're going to make it even worse. We're going to round them up, make everybody move back to their ancestral homes, and then we're going to count them and then tax them. So now you've got to travel. And do you think that was a peaceful time in that culture? 
No, I imagine that uh, there were a lot of heated political debates. In fact, we know that, that there were factions of the Jewish people who were getting together and saying, let's declare war on the Romans. In fact, let's just murder them. And there were groups that would come together and they would hide swords and things like this and then discover how they were going to assassinate the Romans around them and the other Jewish people who were okay with the Romans. It was a time of great turmoil. And more than that for Mary and Joseph, a time of great turmoil because in the midst of this, they've got to go and pay taxes. They've got to travel. And Mary is pregnant, like really pregnant, like ready to give birth pregnant. And they have to travel. And the smoothest ride is a donkey. And they got to travel all the way away from their house. And if you've ever traveled with a pregnant lady, you'll know that it's a, it's a challenge. <laughs> right? And they arrive and they show up and there's all the hotels are filled. And it's crowded and we get that in Estes Park, right? <laughs> Do you think in July 4th that we are filled with peace? This was worse because people weren't even coming for fun. They were coming to pay taxes. They were in a bad mood. And there's not even a space for them. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, Mary goes into labor. <laughs> like at the worst possible time. Here Joseph's like, come on, wait till we just get a room. Tonight, really, tonight. Great. And so they put him into a cave. A stable with the animals and all the messiness and the, the junk that's there and all the busyness around it. It was not a peaceful anything. But the Prince of Peace showed up in the midst of that. See, God could have showed up at any time. There were a lot of times of peace in, in the Jewish kingdom, right? There were times when they were, they were ruled and, and, uh, by their own, their own folks. I mean, you think about David and Solomon. Why didn't Jesus show up then? When there was peace in the land, or how about even before that, in the times of the judges, there were times where there was great peace that lasted decades. I mean, there was times that God could have shown up, and it would have been perfectly peaceful to make sense for God to show up in the easy times. I think it's important to recognize that the Prince of Peace showed up in the midst of one of the worst storms, when everything was broken. I think sometimes it's because when we don't have peace is when we recognize we need it the most. It also tells us that our God is not afraid of the chaos. He can make himself the absolute most vulnerable in the midst of the most unfavorable times when you have a bloodthirsty king out to murder you and your family. And he says, I'll show up then. Because peace that God brings has very little to do about our circumstances. And we get to see today why that is. But that peace that he brings, it's not about what's happening around us, all the things that cause anxiety. It's greater than that. That's why this peace cures anxiety. Are you ready to have your anxiety cured? Yeah. And so that's why that prophet, when he wrote, this was so, so phenomenal about him. It was, when Isaiah had this prophecy, think how crazy it would be for a Jewish prophet to have this prophecy. Um, understand there is only one God, right? And God is different than man, right? Theologically foundational, that he is holy and he is different. And for God then to give this prophet, this prophecy, think how amazing that is, that for to us a child is born. Okay, that's fine. A son is given. That's fine. We have kids born all the time. But this one's going to be different. And this kid's going to have the government on his shoulder. He's going to be a, a mighty, powerful person that's going to be able to rule well. He's going to be able to take the, world on, the weight of the world on his shoulders and be fine with it. Okay, but some people we've seen in time, you have great leaders who arise. That's not miraculous, but it's the next step that goes and just blows our minds and says he can have the government because he will be called wonderful counselor. He's got the ability to give good wisdom, mighty God, that this baby who was born is the immortal, timeless God. And he's showing up and he's going to be born as a person. I you think about how revolutionary, how radical this, this prophecy was. It still is. How many faiths and religions have brought up about people trying to tell us what we think God might be, might be like? And God said, no, 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 I'll show you who I am. He became one of us. He revealed himself to us. He lived as one of us, but he did things that none of us can do. Yeah, he did all kinds of miracles, which I can't do. He healed people from sickness. Right? He, he 
rose people from the dead? Try that. That's pretty cool. He changed weather by just like, be quiet. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that? He had power over nature. And more than that, he had power over the supernatural. Demons like fled from him. Entire armies of demons would just run up and surrender to him without even putting up a fight. He's powerful. God shows up. But he doesn't show up to destroy us. And Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, said, you know, God so loves the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And he said, but God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. The son of the world to save the world through him. That is powerful for us to see because we are a world in rebellion against God. We are in a world that is, is at war with God. And then when he shows up, it doesn't say, for to us a child is born, a son is given, the governor's going to be on his shoulders, and he will be called powerful dictator. He could have. Just slayer. He could have. Smiter of all the unworthy. He doesn't say that. Wonderful counselor. He has the answer to our problems, and he's willing to share and give us good counsel so our lives can make sense. So we stop making stupid decisions that cause a lot of the anxiety we have. So we'll know how to live this life. And we can trust that his advice is good and his counsel is good. That he's powerful enough to actually help us in our times of need. And he's present because he came to us. He is a mighty, mighty God. But he's also a father. He loves you. He loves you so much. He could have come as, as a conquering general. But he reveals himself as his everlasting father. Just the kindness and the mercy that he has. I, I think of us that have our kids. I, I always tell my son, you know, there's a lot of things you can do that would make me upset. I, <laughs> things that I wouldn't enjoy that you would do if you did them. But there's nothing you can do that would make me not be your dad. Right? We think about the story that touches so many people, the parable that Jesus tells of the, of the, of the prodigal son. Isn't that the heart of the father? That's why Jesus told that story. That even when we mess up, the everlasting father is there, open arms. He is there to, for you to be well and to be good. He is for you and not against you. This God shows up, the God of the universe, the creator shows up. Because he loves you. And he cares for you. Isn't that a much more peaceful understanding than maybe this, this God who just has to be appeased that we have to sacrifice our, our children to in order that we might earn their favor so we can eat another week? Who is up there on this mighty mountain holding lightning bolts just seeing who he's going to strike, just waiting for you to mess up or maybe just messing with you even when you didn't mess up because he doesn't like you? You know, people live in this world with that understanding. God shows up and shows us who he is. And that's why when he comes, we recognize that he is a prince of peace. That when it says he's a prince of peace, it means he is the leader of it. He is the, that, that, is the, that is what explains his rule. It describes the dominion that he is over. When Jesus is in charge, there is peace. Absence of disturbance. Tranquility. In Luke 2, we read this. It says, this is the night that Jesus showed up. <laughs> Again, you have Mary and Joseph having their fun little time in the stable. And outside, not very far away, on, on, the, on the hillside, you have these shepherds. Shepherds who are basically the blue collar, but they were kind of the, the lowest class, kind of like everybody kind of looked down their nose at that profession. And so they're outside, and they're working at night when it's not an easy time to work. They're doing their job, and they're on the fields, and they're there, and, and everything's be fine. All of a sudden, the light, just, the sky just like lights up, and there's a bunch of angels there, and there's a host of angels. And, and this is where I got it wrong when I was early on as a Christian. I thought like heavenly hosts, you know when you go to a restaurant and there's a host there? That's what I thought. It's like a heavenly host. I thought, oh, they're, they're really hospitable. Like all the angels are going to just show you. The, no, no. Heavenly host means armies of heaven. These are the armies of heaven 
show up. Now think about that. Like usually like when one angel shows up, people like, you know, pee their pants and then they fall on the ground like they're dead. And the angel's like, chill out. I'm not here to kill you. If I was, you'd already be dead, right? I've got news for you, right? That's the, a whole army of them fills the sky. And let's think about this army. This is the very same armies of heaven that fought against their own. They slayed other angels, kicked them out of heaven. Right? When the devil, when he rebelled and took a third of the angels with him and they fought, this is the army that cast them out, that fought the, their own kind and destroyed them. And here they show up to a world in rebellion to their God. Do you think if they fought against their own, they would have so much love for humanity that they wouldn't just destroy us? It's a powerful armed army right there, shows up. If you were a shepherd, probably be a little surprised, maybe a little anxious. But here is this righteous army, this powerful army of God, able to destroy the entire world and every sinful man at just the, the whisper of God's command. And instead, this is the message that they bring. It says, a great host of the heavenly angels appeared, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They could have shock and awe destroyed all of us, but they declared peace because the Prince of Peace rules them too. And this is his terms. That night, the Prince of Peace came into the world. And he began the work that provided our way that we could have real peace so we wouldn't have to live under anxiety anymore, no matter what life brings now. And so we understand that this world has a lot of reasons to not have peace. There's a lot of reasons to have anxiety. And maybe today you're here and you have a lot of reasons for anxiety. Maybe you have a difficult uh, health diagnosis or a difficult a relationship thing happening in your life or something traumatic that you're healing from or, or whatever it is. We all have reasons to have anxiety in this world. In fact, life's pace has only increased and there seems to only be more and more anxiety. So if you're here today, we want to find the peace of Christ this season to prepare ourselves for that. And we want to say if we want to have peace, right, from all of these things, what Christ teaches us is that peace from begins with peace in, right? And so we're going to talk about three, this morning, three important kinds of peace that Christ brings as why we can have this peace that cures anxiety. And the first peace in that we have is that we have peace with God. So we have this peace that we have that, that starts here, that stops the war that we had with God. Has anybody here ever been perfect? maybe for like a nanosecond, right? And then you were born, right? We all mess up. Does anybody here ever look in your past and not have anything that makes you cringe? Like nothing? Like all of us, we look at our past and we're like, yeah, I did some dorky things. I did some dumb things. There were some things that I said that I really wish I hadn't said. And there are things that I've done that I really wish that I didn't do. All right? And some of those things had to do with uh, morality. There are some things I've done that were immoral. And there are some things I just did that were foolish. But in both, I kind of look at my life and I could say, you know, I didn't do perfectly yet. And one of those things is that I have this, because the moral things were, as I, I rebelled against God. And I know that He is eternal. And I know that He is good. Jesus proved it. <laughs> he showed up to, well, so justice could be fulfilled. You know, a lot of times people move to churches or go to churches, go to religion because they recognize that there is a brokenness that they have and they're afraid of God, rightfully so. He is a righteous judge. And when we sin and we're in rebellion against him, do you think that he's, that, <laughs> that what, justice doesn't count? That he's not so much as going to say, you know, fine, you can just insult me all day, I'll just take it. He's not a weakling. I think a lot of times the people recognize there's a brokenness in the relationship between them and God, and it causes some kind of disturbance to feel like. Have you ever been at a time you felt like, man, God is just waiting for me to mess up so he can just kick me down? A lot of people feel that way. That's why Christmas is such an amazing thing, that for to us a child was born and a son was given, 
going to take the government. But here's what he did. That God, why, why was a son born? Why, why was a child born? Why do we have that? Because the almighty God, the immortal one, had to become mortal. So he could pay the penalty that I deserve, that you deserve. We find in Scripture that the wage, the penalty of sin is, is capital. It, it's death. And this powerful, mighty God who is immortal couldn't pay that if he remained just immortal. He had to become human so he could die. That's one of the amazing things about the Advent is we recognize if he didn't come to die, he wouldn't have to be mortal. He could have just put on skin. He did that in the past. Many times in the Old Testament, God would show up. But he became fully human so that he could die. Why? So that our wrongs could be paid for and they are not swept under the rug. Every sin that you've committed and I've committed could be nailed to the cross with him. They could die so that way that the penalty would be fulfilled. And once the penalty was fulfilled, there's no other penalty to be filled. For example, let's just say you go to lunch after this. And you go to lunch and you buy a, uh, you buy a nice dinner and there's a bill for that. And if you don't pay that bill, it's unjust. You have to pay the bill, correct? Well, let's just say I follow you in and I pay for your lunch. Right? It is now paid for. It's not a free lunch. I paid for it. But after I paid for it, could the manager come back to you and charge you for, your, for that lunch? No. It's paid for. In the same way, our crimes against God have been paid for, paid in full. And that's where we recognize that there's no longer the separation that we have between us and God. That, that we don't have to fear His wrath because He took His wrath so that we could have His grace. There's a bumper sticker that I like because it has a play on words and I'm corny, but it's good. And it says, uh, N-O, God, no God, N-O, peace. But K-N-O-W, no God, K-N-O-W, peace. I love that because we find in the world without God, do we ever really have peace? No, I mean, look, every, every country, is there, ever, is there a place in the world that isn't perfectly safe? I mean, <laughs> that's like awesome paradise? No. Is there a family that is completely perfect? No. The thing is, is that as people, as we've walked from God, the further we walk, the more strife we have, the more brokenness we have, the, the worse things get. But there is God. God showed up. He became one of us. He revealed himself to us. He, he put on skin so he could pay the penalty for us. And once the penalty has been paid, there is nothing that stands between us. We can be reconciled with God. We can know him. And know him not just as a heavenly master, but as a heavenly father. Not just a, as a guy, a God who just rains down uh, fire, but one who blesses us with grace. One who gifts us with forgiveness. Who opens his own home to us and adopts us as his own kids. And more than that, he then gives us the mighty role of saying, I want you as my ambassadors. That's the God we have. We get to know him. We have peace with God. The moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I mean, that moment, the war is over. The sin's been paid for. The doors are open. We are adopted as his kids. Peace begins between us and God. When I know that God is not just out there and he's not indifferent, but he actually cares for me, he's active in my life, and he's working all things together for my good and the good of his kingdom, well, there's a different kind of peace that I get to have in this world than others have. Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about this a little bit. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand. 
starts by being justified. Jesus came to die so that our, pay, our sins could be paid for. We start there. But he didn't just come to die. He came to reconcile us to God. The Christian life isn't one where we find that Jesus died and then we have to continually walk around like with our heads down in shame because we're not perfect. He paid the penalty and then he, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We have his grace, not just for yesterday, but for today and tomorrow. That's how great it is. We have this amazing peace with God. He is an ally. And so we can go to him. That's why it says, through our Lord Jesus, we have this peace. We've now gained access you ever notice like how amazing it is? Have you ever dawned on you how amazing it is we just have access to God by His grace? I, I can't even pay my cable bill without waiting on, on hold, right? Like, it, seriously, think about that. Like, we, we have a hard time in life recognizing we have just have access to somebody. God doesn't have a voicemail. It's not like you start praying and you're like, well, we'll put you on hold. You're the four billionth in line. You're important to us, but God, today, he says, you are in the midst of something. I, I am not just caring for you. I am with you. In fact, I'm in you, and I hear you, and I'm equipping you and empowering you with the grace you need right now. There's no delay. We have access. You, could you just, you know, barge into, I don't know, like your boss's office? Maybe. Could you barge into like the governor's office? Probably not. How about the president's office? Probably not. But we get to barge into our heavenly father's throne room. Full access. And not as one ever ashamed, but we can stand there. It's not like we just duck our heads and like, hey, I could use some help. We get to stand and live in his presence. We don't have to chase after his grace. It is there and it's with us. It's not moving so we can rest in it. Peace with God. We have to begin here. If you believe that there is a separation, if you, don't, if you don't understand who God is, if you believe that you are still guilty of your sins, that there's some things you have to atone for, that God is unappeasable, or unappeasable, or God is up there and he's just ambivalent to you, or if you believe that God is maybe antagonistic towards you, there is never going to be peace. And your soul will live in turmoil. But Christmas reminds us that God came to us so we, we wouldn't have to try to go to him because we couldn't. And he took on our pain, he took on our shame, he took on our sin, he paid for it, and he invites us into his home, into his family. We start with peace with God. As we have peace with God, the second kind of peace that God brings is peace within. Right? If I'm right with God and God's forgiven me, then who am I not to forgive myself? Right? We have this, many people suffer with, from anxiety because they have worry and guilt and shame. You know what guilt is? It's just like the warning light in your car that tells you you, know, you need to do something. Like, you're out of gas. Better do something about that. That's what guilt is. And the reason that we put warning lights in cars is not because we like to annoy people. It's because sometimes something breaks and you want to tell somebody, like, there's something wrong so they can get it fixed before the car breaks completely, Right? God gives us guilt because that's the snow in our life. If we're doing something that's not great, it's going to cause damage. That's guilt. And so when guilt comes, it's not because God wants you to feel bad. He's saying, hey, this is going to cause a lot of pain. You might want to change. But the difference between guilt and shame, one, if we do sin and we have that guilt, we can then do something amazing. We can repent, which means we can turn from that old wicked way and live a new life. How great is that? There is a way out. There is, we can be fixed. But there's something else that sometimes is attached to guilt, and that's shame. Shame is you've done something bad, therefore you are bad. The Christian doesn't have shame. We died to that old self, didn't we? There is no shame for the Christian, which means that all of the sins, the things that I've done, I'm not proud of. Yeah, that was the old dead Aaron. And sometimes that old dead Aaron still kind of lives in here and does stupid stuff and messes up my life a little bit. When that happens, I know that's not who I truly am anymore. And so what do I get to do? I can confess it. I can say, well, that was stupid, old dead Aaron. Right? And I can go to God and say, I need some help with this. He's forgiven me. Why would he not help me? Which means that I don't have to be ashamed to other people. It's no surprise that I'm a sinner. Not to God. It shouldn't be a surprise to any of you. Because you're all sinners too. 
And we say, I struggle with this, but I'm putting it to death. I'm mortifying the flesh every day, and it's a hard battle. And sometimes I win, and sometimes I lose. But ultimately, I will win. And so, when brokenness has come into my life, and I've made bad decisions, or bad things have happened to me, there is no shame. Everything is being redeemed. Everything is being redeemed. And God will take the things that I was so ashamed of and he will use those very things as, as a jewel to, to be able to shine his glory and his greatness to others. The things that I've done so bad or the things that have happened to me that are so bad, God can even use those, it says in scripture. It prepares me to use that for ministry to help others. There is no reason for shame in, the Christ, in Christ. That's peace within It's receiving the the forgiveness that Jesus paid for because he came to this earth to die for my sins and say, yes, I receive that. It's giving the freedom to say, if God has forgiven me, I will forgive me too. How amazing is this? But then it's even more, if God has forgiven me, I can forgive you. And most of the time when we are unforgiving, we are the ones who bear the scars of that. Because when I choose to have bitterness over you because you offended me, oftentimes I'm the only one that really suffers. It causes me to become unhappy. It causes me to become anxious because I might see you and then what am I going to do, right? I have anger that just kind of builds up inside of me, all that kind of stuff, like it's bitterness. When I learn that I receive God's grace and his forgiveness, he says, now... You don't just have the ability to forgive others. Now you are supposed to forgive others. You have the power to do it. We can forgive because we were forgiven. We can grace other people because we've been graced. That means that we can give them kindness that they don't deserve because God gave us kindness that we didn't deserve. You have a superpower as a Christian. You can love the people you hate. Love your enemies. Think about that, especially in election year. God is so good that we can live in this life without seething anger. We can live in this life without this this, this pernicious, this hatred that permeates us. We can begin to love as God has loved us even when other people are stinkers. We still can have peace because our peace isn't based upon our circumstance. That's why Philippians 4, read this, it says, don't be anxious about anything. I love that as a command. Right before it says, rejoice always. Again, he says, I'll tell you, rejoice. That was the real command. Which is hard because life is not always a time you think, I'm going to throw a party. Because sometimes in life we want to just cry and sometimes we want to just rage. Right? And so it doesn't say that we're supposed to just ignore those emotions. It says we begin with rejoicing. Rejoicing in what? God's overcome it. He came to this world. He died for the brokenness and he rose again to give us hope. I will rejoice in the fact that this world is not all there is and that Jesus is coming back and that heaven is real. And today is not forever. Praise God. I will rejoice always. Again, I will say it. I will rejoice. And starting from that, it says that I will not be anxious about anything. Whoa, but Aaron, I've got health problems. I've got financial problems. i got relationship problems. i got problems. Yeah, join the club. Jesus came in the midst of the problems. Mary and Joseph understood problems. We don't have to be anxious with them. We can deal with the problems without anxiety. How? What's the secret? How do I do it? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It says, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want to have peace? This passage tells you how to do it, but it is only for the believer. We go to God because we have access to him, but prayer and petition, access to God, standing before his throne. In every situation, we can talk to him, and the prayer is this. We could go and we could just say, God, I invite you into the day, into this mess. I invite you in. He showed up in the bigger messes. He's not freaked out by it. And it says this, by prayer, right? We present our request to God. That's what this for petition. God, I need help. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm hurting. I need your healing. And if you're not going to heal my body, which I'd ask you would, and he can, 
Maybe you decide not to. If you even say no, then give me the grace to handle this. What about that? God, I need your provision. I got financial problems that are massive and I don't know what I'm going to do. I need your help. You are, but you're a mighty God. You can provide. You talk to God and you tell him your needs. What is it that's causing anxiety? Why do you talk to yourself about it so much? That's what we do when it just buzzes around our heads is we're just talking to ourselves about our own problems. And we don't have the answers. That's why we need a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, so he can be our prince of peace. So it says, talk to him, invite him in. And it says, God knows what you need even before you ask, but he wants you to ask. He's not going to invade your life. He's not going to impose himself on you. So talk to him. But here was the part that I missed early on because I was doing this for years, right? Most of us just do it intuitively. We have problems. We're like, dad, help. And then you, you get help, but sometimes you still have anxiety that doesn't surpass understanding, right? Because <laughs> you're like, you're in the midst of circumstances that are rough. It makes sense you're anxious. How do you have this kind of peace that just blows people's minds? That will blow your own mind. You're like, how can I have peace today? It doesn't make sense. Well, we brought our request to him. We invited God in. But the last part was with thanksgiving. And I thought for a long time that it meant that I had to become a super Christian, that I could actually be thankful for the things that made me miserable. That's crazy. Right? God, thank you that you've given me all of this medical debt. That's wonderful. No, I couldn't say that. God, thank you that you've given me these health problems. No, that's dumb. Right? No one's happy for being miserable. That's why heaven is called paradise, right? Where there's no suffering, 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 because it's awful. We're not grateful for suffering. Suffering's lousy. What is our thanksgiving then in? Well, my thanksgiving is for who God is. Lord, I'm in the midst of this, this medical debt. I need your help. I need your provision. I'm grateful that you're the God who owns everything, and your word has said that if I seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness above all else, you will meet my needs. God, I'm grateful that you're good, a man that's good to your word. You are a God that's good to your word. You kept your word so much, you came and died on the cross. You're going to keep your word to me. You are faithful. I'm going to stay thankful for that. You have health things. God, I'm grateful that you have the power to heal. That you are the God who makes all things. And you're the God who's able to sustain me with your grace. I'm grateful I'm talking to a God who's almighty, who has the power to actually do something about it. As you pray in the midst of your hardship, as you bring your anxieties to God, thank him for who he is, that he can actually meet those needs. This is what happens when, when you begin to pray that way. You get a peace that transcends your understanding. Sometimes the issue doesn't go away. This is what's happened with me sometimes. I will be in the midst of anxiety, and I will bring my request to God with thanksgiving, and things get worse. And my anxiety then, of course, increases with it. And then I continue to pray because faithfulness, we seek God. And then typically, sometimes things get worse. Right? But I keep praying. And I keep thanking God for who He is. And things get worse. But they would have anyway. But something changes in me. Things get worse. But all of a sudden, there becomes a rest in my soul. I'm able to sleep again. The knot in my stomach goes away, right? I'm able now to handle life's problems, not panic from them. And let's be honest, people in panic don't make the best decisions. As I bring my requests to God with thanksgiving, he gives me a peace eventually that doesn't make sense, and it will confound you. You'll feel like you're crazy for a little while because you're like, this should freak me out, but it doesn't. And it doesn't mean you don't care. It means that now you stand on your stable ground. You're able to handle these things with God. You're able to pray in a whole new way. You're able to, to, to handle life's difficulties without feeling the panic. There's no anxiety. And God then protects our hearts and minds in this. We don't think the wrong things, the doubtful things, the things that cause us to hate other people or hate ourselves or hate God. He protects our hearts and minds in Christ. That's a pretty powerful peace, a peace that we have within. Christ brings that to us. And that peace in life changes our outlook. A third kind of peace that Christ brings to us is this, is peace to come. It's not just that we have peace today. Do you know this world, even though Jesus is these prince of peace, that the reason we still have elections right now is because the government isn't fully on Jesus' shoulders as far as humans go? 
right? We're still in rebellion against God as people, right? As people, we still have our own, we still, our, our, this world is still broken. It's not paradise yet. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come for things to be like this forever? That Jesus is coming back? See, when we come to Christmas, we recognize that God put on flesh. He's real. He exists. He's not just a figment. He's not just a, story, uh, a fairy tale. He is real. He put on real flesh. He lived a real life. He really died, and he really rose again. And he told us, I'm really coming back. And when I do, I'm bringing a very real kingdom that I'm making for you right now. We know the future. And we know that in that future, as someday, as sure as where you're sitting here today, someday you will see God face to face. You will see the heavenly kingdom and it will blow your minds. It says that nothing in our language could even begin to describe it. We can't even describe how it sounds, much like how it looks. That's a pretty amazing thing. But in that kingdom, every wrong is righted. Every tear that you've cried will be dried. Every pain that we've gone through will be vindicated. Every single thing of brokenness for the Christian's life will be redeemed and will be cause of great glory to God. Every act of faithfulness, every sacrifice will be rewarded and will result in praise and glory and riches in the kingdom to come. It matters, and it's coming a lot quicker than you think. Talk to anybody who's over 50 years old, and they'll say, like, I blinked, and all of a sudden, what happened? Right? I sometimes, you know, I blink, I'm like, I'm getting gray. I still feel like I'm 17, but then I try to do something like a 17-year-old do. I'm like, no, I'm not. Life like that. Before we know it, we will be there, and it is great, and the kingdom that's coming is so good. It's worthy to live for. It's worthy to hope for. So this is why we have no pessimism. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you have trouble, amen, Jesus, but take heart, take courage, he says. I've overcome this world. So it's not just that we have peace to come in the next life, we have peace to come in this life as well. That he is working out all things. It's not like there's anything in this world that's going to happen that's outside of God's control. If he allows you to suffer as a Christian, there is a reason for it. He says, be faithful in this. He says, like good soldiers, be faithful, endure right? Because I'm doing something powerful through it, and I will give you the grace you need. That's a promise from God. He's overcome this world. There's nothing the enemy can do. There's nothing that this world can do. There's nothing other people can do that can separate you from God's love or his purposes or the perfection that he's building you for. And so, as Christians, Christmas reminds us that we've got a pretty bright future, that our hopes are not based upon who wins the next election or where the stock market goes, or if that family member and I reconcile, or if I get these friends, if they move or stay, it's not based upon any of those things. That this world will have trouble, but I can have peace no matter what. What a great thing to celebrate. So as we bring kind of this, this portion as we, this week, as we remember the candle of peace, begin to apply it into our lives and, and to, to celebrate. Remember that God's, He gives peace to anxious doves like you and me. And he's gifted us with amazing peace that, that really cures anxiety at its core. He starts by giving us peace with God. That peace with God gives us a peace within that we get to live within. And that peace within reminds us that we can look forward to a peace to come, the perfect peace, with great anticipation. And so for you, how do you apply this kind of peace into your life? This week, how do you prepare your heart this an advent. If you take your connection card out, I've got some next steps, some opportunities for you to begin to apply God's peace into your life. And maybe there's one or more of these that you can do to begin to start walking in this peace God has for you. The first thing maybe you want to do on the back there, it says maybe you, you want to just read the Christmas story to know that God, this is not just a fairy tale. This is Jesus really showed up. I got to stand in the, in the manger. That was really crazy cool. It, literally, too. It was hot outside. It was cool down there. It was a cave. God showed up there. Read the story. And every week through Advent, when we're going through a different gospel, you can read the Advent story. And this week, I encourage you to join me as we read Mark chapter 1. Or maybe this week, what you're going to do is, is you want to accept peace with God. If you are here this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
you are still, Scripture says, at war with God. You're still in rebellion, but he says to you he wants to declare peace in your life. That you can be saved by God's grace simply through faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he wants you to express that faith through believing in him and to confessing him and repenting and being baptized and being discipled. There's all kinds of amazing things. In fact, this morning, we've been baptized a a wonderful new brother in Christ, Wayne, who uh, accepted Jesus uh, this week. It's a pretty awesome thing. And if you need to start, you feel anxious and you don't have peace with God, start there. He loves you so much. And if that's you, let me know that. Make sure I have your contact information, right? Because we want to talk. I'm sure you'll have questions. What does it mean to have uh, peace with God? What does it mean to be a Christian? And we'll talk. I will help you with that. That's one of the great joys of my life. Start there. But if you have peace with God, then maybe what you need to do, the next thing is maybe declare peace within, right? And so that's what it says, pray with, pray with thanksgiving. Maybe it's beginning with taking the anxieties of this time and this season and bringing your request to God, right, with thanksgiving for who he is. Maybe you begin to practice that this week and stick with it. And the peace of God will come upon you. It is a promise. Or maybe what you need to do is you need to celebrate the peace to come. You see the brokenness of this world, the frustrations of living in this broken world. And you need to remember that Jesus who came once, he's coming again. And so you cling to hope. In the midst of your trials today, recognize that it's not forever. And you say, you know what? God is using this. Cling to that hope. That this thing that seems like such a mountain is really in in God's eyes as as a molehill compared to the glory that's on the other side of it. It's worth it, and he's with me. So cling to hope. Don't give up. Maybe that's where you are this week. Maybe there's another commitment that you need to make, something this week. Let me know. As your pastor, I do pray for you, and I want to encourage you with that. If you have another um, commitment to make, let me know. And uh, as well as if you have a prayer request, please share those with me. I pray for you every week. If I know how, it's even better. So uh, share with your prayer requests. Know that I would love to join you in prayer this week. In a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, I would ask you, please take these connection cards, drop them in the offering basket as they're passed, along with your tithes and your gifts. Let's pray for these, these commitments, and then we'll have the worship team come up and lead us out with some some good uh, worship as we take our offerings. Let's pray. Father God, we pray, uh, Lord, that, uh, that you would bless us with your peace this week as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the arrival of Christ at Christmas. Lord, if there is anxiety amongst us, I ask that you, with your Holy Spirit, reveal it and help us turn to you. We're grateful that you're the God who is powerful enough to handle whatever our problem ails us. You're wise enough and you've given us in your present to give us good counsel to help us direct our lives in a good and a right way. So, Father, help us to receive your, your wisdom, your counsel. Help us to receive your power. Let us receive your mercy and your grace. And Father, in this, uh, I pray that you would bless us then with the ability uh, to experience that incredible peace that Christ brought, first between us and you, within ourselves and between us and others, as well as we also, as we look forward to your return. Lord, in, uh, in that, we also pray that you would take these tithes and these offerings and that you would bless them and use them to build your kingdom, uh, Lord, for your glory, because you are worthy. We celebrate Christ in this. It's in his name we pray. Amen.